0: Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome back to episode 31 of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Our guest today is Amy Stumpf. Amy is co director of BDI Playhouse. She is a speech language pathologist, an international board certified lactation consultant, and she's currently certifying to become an oral facial myologist. Her office is located in Aurora, Illinois. Welcome, Amy. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you and to finally meet you in person, even though, I know, you know, I yeah. can see you, but the audience obviously can. <laughs> uh, if you had to describe, oh, first of all, can you please repeat your name and um, introduce your children? You don't have to do the names if you're comfortable doing that. That's fine. Just their ages.
1: Yeah. Um. My name is Amy Stomph. Again. Um. I have two girls. Uh. Their names are June. She's seven years old, and I have a five-year-old named Annie. So they're two years apart. And I'm married to a wonderful occupational therapist. He's a great ah,
0: okay. Yeah. So it's a family business, huh?
1: <laughs> it kind of is. I maybe strong armed him into being an OT after he graduated from college and was trying to figure out his way. So I think he's great at what he does now. Does he so, enjoy it? He does, yeah. You know, I this is silly, but I always joke with him. He works in the hospital. Um, and I told him, you know, if I was ever needing someone to help me, you know, clean and bathe and like learn how to toilet again after some kind of injury, I would want someone like him because he's so compassionate. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually um, hoping to have an OT on soon because it is very like a lot of people don't understand what occupational therapy is, but it's so helpful to so many people and especially like children and babies and, you know, all kinds of things.
1: And just even in my setting, I work with, um, you know, plenty of occupational therapists and physical therapists and, um, you know, we all, it's all a team. (laughs) We all work together and and we can't just treat one thing. And usually, um, it all complements each other. So,
0: right. Right. Well, I think, I think we're learning that you don't really silo care. I don't know. Like, I think we're learning how to all work together.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) If you had to describe your parenting style, what would it be?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, So I think it would be make it up as I go. Um, (laughs) So flying by the seat of my pants. Yes, that is another great term for it. Um, You know, I'm not a planner. So I feel like as each stage comes along, we just figure it out. Um, that is probably my theme in life is let's just figure this out as it comes. (laughs) So, um, but overall I think, you know, my husband and I are both introverted by nature. And so we, we set more of a slower parenting pace. So, um, we try not to sign up for too many things and, and try to have time for, for downtime. And I think our girls are kind of more, um, they they really crave that those quiet moments too. Um, as I was reflecting, I was like, oh, you know, like we love to go on hikes and 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 enjoy time in nature. That's a nice way to calm. But if you see us, usually it's it's him and I like trying to to bribe them down a trail. Or if you hear them <laughs> crying and complaining, usually. Yeah
0: it's not as pretty as the pictures make not it look as pretty as it
1: as it seems
0: so I know I always try to capture these pictures of my son now just with like if you're not going to smile fine because like people can just see this is the true thing is he's kind of grumpy yeah. at times not the whole time but at times unless he's talking yeah. about baseball then I'm bored and I'm grumpy yeah. and you know, so nobody's ever happy and it sounds like you were lucky enough to have two introverted daughters then
1: I would say I'd say my five year old is a little bit more of an extrovert, but they really do like to just you know they're girls so um they like to come home and play and do art and I I have a little art business on the side so I think they've seen me do that throughout the year so they you know they model what they see so they've they've both kind of taken to that as well, um but you know we're probably a little bit more protective you know, COVID was a bit traumatic. So I feel like we're slowly reintegrating more into activities and, but trying not to overload because we can mm-hmm. both, I feel like my husband and I can both get overwhelmed pretty easily. So
0: yeah, I bet without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? I
1: asked my husband this last night and was, he's was like, I think we're millennials. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how many people don't know. Cause it makes me feel yeah. so like
0: it's just great because I feel like there's been so much like identifying with like generations. And I think yeah. it's an interesting study in nature, like in history of just how people are different based on their generation, yeah. especially now, you know, because we've all had such different experiences with technology and yeah. things, you know. Um. So, okay. So as a millennial, how would you describe how you were parented? And is that similar or different?
1: So I would say uh, I probably had a different experience. My parents were both older when they had me. My mom was, I think, like 37 or 38 and my dad was in his mid 40s. Um, So, you know, they had already established careers. They, you know, were older and wiser. Um, And they had grown up in, you know, their baby boomers. So their generation um, was a lot different than a lot of my peers, friends, parents too. So, you know, they both worked full time. um, But I would say that there was more of a, you know, traditional parenting. Um, but there were a lot of, they were a little bit firm, but there were some good boundaries set. I always felt safe and cared for. And, you know, even though they worked full time, um, I never felt like they weren't there for me, um, Mm -hmm. and and present. Um, and as I got older, I felt like they, you know, were able to let go a little bit easier, um, and, and trusted me to fail, but also to grow from those, um, those failures and learn. Um, and, and they didn't really step in too much, you know, as, as a older, as a college student, you know, as an adult, they kind of trusted me to make my way, which I think was really kind of helpful. So,
0: yeah, that sounds really helpful. And it isn't, we do have to let our children fail sometimes It's hard, yeah. <laughs> but we do have to let them do it or just let them sit in it. Like when you didn't get to be yeah. the class president and it's like, yeah. Oh, that's terrible. But you know, I can't fix I think, it. I can't change it, but let's just sit in yeah. this for a minute,
1: and I think maybe their experiences, like they had had, you know, a, a lot of lifetime before me to kind of shape their experiences as parents as well. So I think that that kind of helped grow me and and shape me as well and in and how I grew as an adult. So mm-hmm. Can you describe the work that you do for those that may not understand how you help new families? Yeah. so um, I'm I originally. I'm trained as a speech pathologist. I'm licensed as that. That's my main career. Um, And as I um, have been practicing, I think I've been practicing now for like 13 or 14 years, um, however long I've been married. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I've, you know, developed just a desire to work with young families and babies and younger children. I always loved that early age. Um, So right uh, it allowed me to pursue, uh, the board certification and lactation consulting, um, that took a long time, as you know, Lisa, it does take a long time. <laughs> it was a long journey, um, But, you know, now I I see babies for breastfeeding issues, for feeding issues, and I also see older children um, for feeding and swallowing issues as well. Um, And then there's also, you know, some language kiddos that I see and then um, articulation and speech sound. So it's kind of a a hodgepodge. But, you know, if you were to ask me, my main focus is on um, infants and young toddlers. So,
0: and then how do you work in the
1: oral facial myologist piece? So that is, uh, Mostly what I see uh, school age and older children for, um, but the foundations of that can be seen in infants. Um, what I do with infants is a lot of just feeding and oral motor work. Um, so helping them to establish good patterns for swallowing and for safe eating um, and then mouth rest posture because when our mouths don't rest, um, with our tongue at the roof of our mouth, um, or we've got something that impedes, you know how we develop our faces, it can lead to some issues down the road um, for my older kiddos. Um, so that could be we're we're really picky eaters, but no one's ever looked into why we're a picky eater. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we have mouth breathing, and we've got chronic respiratory infections, we are low endurance, you know, um, but and we don't sleep very well. And no one's ever kind of looked into why, why that. So oftentimes, I'm the one that um, looks at that, and then overwhelms parents with a whole mess of other things to look at. Um, But I would say it, it really hopefully connect some dots as to what parents and their kids have been experiencing their whole lifetime in terms of, um, you know, speech, swallowing, breathing, um, and sleep. hmm So
0: if someone is told that their child should have braces, can mm-hmm. oral facial myology actually be an alternative
1: to that? So I wouldn't say it would be an alternative, but we would want to know it's a compliment because we want to know why do we need braces? Braces indicates that our mouth is forming um, in an aberrant way. So our mouth is too small. We don't have enough space for all of our teeth. Um, we want to know why is it because our tongue isn't functioning correctly to, to form a wide mouth? Um, is it because we keep our mouth open all the time when we're breathing? and, And so we're developing a high palate. Um, you know, I was of the orthodontic generation where, They, you know, if you had crooked teeth, they put braces on and it straightened your teeth, but then you had to, you have to spend a lifetime wearing your retainers. And so as soon as my retainers, you know, came out in college because I lost them, um, my teeth shifted right back into being crooked. Um, there was never, um, an understanding as to, well, why were, why didn't you have space to begin with, with Mm -hmm. your mouth? And so it is not a replacement for orthodontic care, but it is a complement because orthodontics help provide the structure, but myofunctional therapy helps provide, um, the, uh, the, the function for, for helping everything work properly to keep that in place, um, okay. to keep, you know, your dentition in place.
0: So making sure that you're using the tongue muscle properly so that it's not moving the bone of yeah. either the jaw or the teeth or both.
1: Exactly. And it's a combination. It's a combination of of tongue. It's a combination of lips. It's a combination of jaw. And it's also a combination of total body posture, um, because, and breathing. So if, if you're out there and, and you want to try a little experiment, if you, um, put your tongue at the roof of your mouth and try to breathe through your mouth, you can't air goes in through your nose. Mm -hmm. But if you put your tongue at the floor of your mouth and you try to breathe in through your nose, you can't air goes in through your mouth. And ultimately I tell this to all parents, every human should be a nasal breather. It should be easy. um, and it should be, um, natural, but, um, A lot of people aren't, and we've gotten into this pattern where we don't keep our tongue at the roof of our mouth. And so that leads to this kind of cascade of of different breathing um, issues.
0: Yeah, I had attended a class that talked about how your tongue should rest on the roof of your mouth, and so every night when I go to sleep, that's what I do. And it's been several years now, and it's very easy now to the point now when I'm at the dentist, they're like, "Put your tongue down," and I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. (laughs) But like, but for a long time, it was you could feel the muscle twitching when I would put it up there, and I just want to fall asleep with it up there, and then whatever it's doing, it's doing right. But like, and um, but it really it was a little bit of a workout to just get it, and now it's like you know it's super easy to do. But, and so when you try to explain that to the lay person, like, well, your baby's tongue should be on the roof of their mouth. It's like, wait, what, you know, but typically when you're having that conversation, you're, you're looking into somebody's face and you're already seeing, (laughs) you know, like the the familiar traits of like, okay, well, maybe this is part of our issue, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's so like, and in babies, especially we we really want to start that young because the the more your tongue is this really strong muscle and that shapes bone muscle shapes bone. And so when you've got this pattern of tongue up at the roof of the mouth, it, it helps grow a nice wide mouth and it establishes nasal breathing early on, which is what we want. Right. What is
0: your favorite
1: thing about the work you do? So I just, I love meeting new families, uh, and I really love, uh, problem solving, <laughs> um, and then constantly learning new things. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be learning. There's never going to be a stop. Um, mm-hmm. but I love, you know, gathering new information every day. Uh, I also just really love my coworkers and who I get to work with, um, because I, I can't do this without a good team. Um. And like I said, I always tell this to parents too, your head doesn't operate separate from the rest of your body. So um, oftentimes, you know, there's so many connections to, um, you know, what a physical therapist does and what an occupational therapist does. Um, And I'm, I'm constantly learning and seeing those connections. You know, I just took a, infant reflex or a primitive reflex course. And, you know, now my mind is blown on, you know, reflexes and Mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, always, always learning. And it's a great environment for learning and for collaboration.
0: Mm -hmm. It certainly is. I love reflexes too. I have like, I Del- haven't delved into it enough to be like an expert on any level, but I love it when you see the babies bringing something to midline and then yeah. saying to the parents, look, they're trying to integrate their reflexes. Yeah. They have no idea what that means. I'm like, look, they're getting the their brain yeah. is going to like integrate, you know, um, yeah. but if nothing else, they just like hearing that I'm excited about something their baby's doing. Like yeah. it's good, you know, like even if they don't understand That's what it is.
1: Yeah. It's so encouraging. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's just, it, I love that aspect too. like, look at what your baby's he's doing They're They're trying to roll over. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're so proud. What is yeah. the biggest challenge with the work you do? You know, I would, it goes back to learning is that uh, every day I feel like there's more that I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, there's this imposter syndrome too, or, you know, then I feel like I'm not helping families as best that I could. So, um, and then time, there's just not enough time to be. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to be as involved as I would like to be in supportive. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. work with a lactation consultant postpartum? With both of my girls, I did. Um, my first one seven years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so I had a lot of severe, um, pain and trauma to my nipples post having a baby. Um, to the point where you know she coughed up blood one day but I realized it was my blood. Oh, <laughs> so I know. just wanted to feed her, you know. And I yeah. tell mom, like, you know, I, I never considered myself very maternal until June came out. And I was like, I feel like superwoman. This is my baby. Like I couldn't stop kissing her. And it was just so instinctual. So I did anything I could to feed her. Um but we just had a minor latching issue. She just needed we just needed to learn how to get a deep latch and then we were good to go. Um, and then Annie had a tongue tie. And so, uh, we worked with a lactation consultant after she had her releases just to make sure she was good to go. And she Mm -hmm. was great. Did you always
0: want to be a parent?
1: Um, I did, Um, I know that's contradictory to feeling not maternal, but, um, I mostly, I grew up as an only child, essentially I had two older half brothers, but they were out of the house by the time, um, you know, I was born. And so I always wanted, um, I wanted kids and I wanted, um, at least there to be a sibling for my kids.
0: Yeah. I always wonder about that. Like my son, unfortunately is a, um, he's an only child. Not that we weren't, weren't trying to change that. And yeah. it is interesting. Like, he'll be like, Oh, I don't want to deal with siblings and blah, blah, blah. But then like, we were just watching a TV show the other day where there was three kids and one's like, well, you're going to replace dad. And then you're going to, she's going to replace mom. And then I was a mistake anyway, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it was funny. Cause I was kind of looking over to him like, Oh, I wonder like, yeah. How does, the, how does he process that? But, you know, and I do remember though, my grandmother um, saying she was an only child and she was like, you know what, but it makes me very self-sufficient yeah. and I
1: like being by myself.
0: And so yeah. she actually thought that there were great advantages to it.
1: There were, I mean, there were, I, you know, but I always, I was never that only child who, you know, wanted all of the attention and wanted, you know, you know all of that. I always wanted a sibling. So, but Mm -hmm. my parents were older and they were blessed to have one. So. Right. Exactly. It just worked out that way. Yep. At what age of your
0: child, do you really think you start parenting?
1: Um, I feel like I, for me, I felt like it was from birth. It was just, you know, I was, bombarded with decisions and with all of a sudden having to care for a tiny human. Um, and so I feel like, you know, even, even from the get go, you know, we were parenting June and then adding in Annie um, that added it a whole another set of how to parent too. So <laughs> right, right. Divide and conquer. <laughs> Divide and conquer. <laughs> Do you have to
0: parent your children differently then? And if so, how?
1: Yes. I would say my older daughter is a lot more, um, sensitive and in that sense, more strong willed in, in just being, um, she's a lot like me (laughs) where, you know, she doesn't like change. She doesn't like, um, new things. And so, and and just trying, you know, when she kind of shuts, when she gets stuck, um, it is a totally different way of responding to her. You can't, we can't respond to her with force. We can't respond to her with, with harshness. Um, you know, we, we kind of have to um, help her feel safe and collected before we can move on from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've learned that through a lot of failure um, and just getting frustrated, you know. Um, and then my younger daughter uh, is very easygoing. <laughs> so if you've ever seen... Um, Bluey, I totally relate to that because I, I have think- not
0: actually because my son is too old. I feel like I've somehow dodged that bullet. But yeah, it's yes.
1: great for adults. I love it too. Um, but June is definitely a bluey and Annie is so a bingo. So yeah. if parents out there, I think you'll know what I mean. Um, yeah, where Annie will just do whatever we say and June um will just kind of <laughs> you know she's stuck in her ways. So yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: So Going back to the pandemic, I'm kind of looking at the ages of your children. So was June in like almost in kindergarten then when that hit?
1: She was in preschool. So she had just, she was just turning four and Annie was just turning two. Okay. So they they were in preschool. um, And then June had another year before she would have been in preschool another year uh, before kindergarten. Okay. Um, but we did pull them, you know, clearly we had to pull them from preschool. Um mm-hmm. so, was... so then
0: she actually just started kindergarten last fall. So now she
1: so actually she would have started kindergarten in twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, uh, but we decided to homeschool her. um, okay. kindergarten and then she started first grade in school in 2022.
0: Okay. All right. So she's in second grade now. In second grade. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, um, and then your other one was really little. It was so little. Yeah. Yeah. So did that change anything about your parenting? Yes.
1: I, I feel like it, it made us more protective and, um, it made us a lot more, um, I would say introverted because we just, you know, we spent a lot of time just the four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, say that my girls really became best friends during COVID and they moved in with each other. So we've got, you know, <laughs> three bedroom, you know, extra bedrooms, but they both share one room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they really, cause they, they were the only friends that each other had for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I think it helped them to grow closer and it helped us just to really value time together as a, as a four person family. Uh, Which I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, which is kind of why we still set a slow pace now, because we had such a slow pace during COVID that even though the world was scary, we we had a lot of time with each other, which was nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: If well, and light it's light funny too, that. because
0: I'm thinking like in my head, like, oh, and I bet she's one of those people who f- like flourished through the pandemic. Cause I know the introverts <laughs> that are in my life, like they absolutely loved it. And they were like, this is the best thing ever.
1: I was telling my coworkers, I was like, well, you know, I don't really like to hug people that much. And so it was great. No one expected me to hug them, you yeah. know? Um, but also in that is the, you know, anxiety attacks. And the starting therapy for myself, for my mm-hmm. mental health during COVID, um, which, you know, because adding in parenting to small children, trying to work from home, doing my job as a, as a therapist online, which I'd never done before. Oh yeah. Um, it, it was, it was mind-breaking. And so in it's not all flowers and daisies. There was uh, a lot of really hard times for myself personally. Um, mm-hmm. and so Um, but you know, if you're feeling that get, get help, um, my counselor was amazing. So,
0: yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of therapists, like mental health therapists. I think that they're awesome. And I like just spending time with them in general because, because they don't therapy you,
1: No, (laughs) you know what I
0: mean? Like they're just normal and then you just can be normal and it's just like, you know, but you can also be vulnerable. I think they're good people to be vulnerable with, which is very nice.
1: Because I could do it all on telehealth online made it as a as a busy mom it was great. So
0: I really thought that that was one of the silver linings of the pandemic was that it was so hard to get people in therapy before because they could or couldn't bring the baby or did right. or did not want to yeah. bring the baby and therefore yeah. it was going to be an issue plus in the city there was you know parking and this and that and it was just you yeah. know tricky. And I really thought that that was a silver lining and I've heard pros and cons from other therapists about it, but I still think just that accessibility, even like if you had couples counseling, the idea that you could both just do that virtually and you didn't have to get a babysitter. So then nobody needs to be in your business about it is just, you know, so helpful. And, and I really like that, you know, a lot of people have either stayed hybrid or they just, um, they've figured out, you know, how to do it to Uh make it work for their lives and for their clients. Yeah. It's great. What is your most embarrassing parenting moment?
1: Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> my husband and I both knew right away um, what this was. Uh, so, we have a good friend who is a behavioral therapist. If you, anyone knows what ABA therapy is, or um, those are called BCBAs, so she's a behavioral therapist. Um, we were out to lunch with her at uh, Pop Bellies. And we had my, then I think she was three years old and we had my one-year-old with me. And the three-year-old was just throwing a holy tantrum because they did not have chocolate milk at (laughs) Potbelly. And my husband and I um, saw these police officers walk into Potbelly's, you know, they were just, you know, getting lunch. And we both had the the stupidest brainwave at the same time. And so we looked at June (laughs) and we went, oh, June, the police are here because you're crying too much. Oh. Like, <laughs> so stupid. And my friend is just watching this, you know, happening in the background. She's a behavioral therapist. Like, she does knows she have
0: children, though, too? Or no? I have
1: children. Okay. So, like, she deals with this every day, you she know? She deals with, with
0: all the broken children from their parents. The-
1: <laughs> and so, like, so June, like she she gets quiet really quick. You know, we eat our, we eat our lunch, you know, we we're on our way. My friend's in the car with us. She's in the back seat and, and June's really quiet and we're down the road. And all of a sudden she just bursts out crying, screaming, I don't want the police to take me from mom and dad. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I look at, A- my friend's name is also Amy. I looked at her in the back seat, and I was like, so that probably was not how we should have done this, right? <laughs> she was like, I didn't want to say anything. Like, <laughs> <and> I'm not <laughs> going to say anything, but I just watched it all happen. Like...
0: <laughs> and she was probably just counting down until the three-year-old yeah. lost her mind, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So then we had to do like all this, you know, police officers, you know, like if you see when they're safe. <laughs> They're safe people. You like, have to
0: run up to them sometimes and tell them do, things.
1: Yeah, we had to do like a month of like, you know, desensitization, like they're not going to take you for mom and dad, like so. <laughs> if you're crying, so.
0: Um, yeah. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Cuz the the greatest thing about it I think is it's kind of your fault. You know what I mean? And like and so it's like it's not just oh. like this thing happened and it was embarrassing. It's like, yeah. "Oh, it's actually it's very, it, it's very good for people to hear that, like, oh no, I'm not perfect either. I have um, done a very royal scrub. <laughs> we both,
1: it was like, we both like had a brainwave, I call it, we call it a stupid brainwave where we were both like,
0: oh, oh, this is, is a great idea.
1: It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you paid for it for months. Yeah, it sounds did, like yeah. so. Yeah, exactly. So you put in your dues. <laughs> yeah. If you had friendships when your children were babies, I guess, especially June, How important are those to you now? And do you still keep in touch? Because it sounds like there was probably a big interruption in that.
1: Yeah, actually, I feel really blessed because we, um, my best friend, actually, she had a long, long fertility journey. um, And she got pregnant, um, like a month before I was due to give birth to June. So um, June's best friend is Will. And Mm -hmm. he is, uh, like six months younger than her. Um, so, and then, um, Susie got blessed with another surprise baby, um, right around the same time that Annie was born. So we both have, you know, she's got two boys. I've got two girls. Um, we were already pretty close as friends and as couples before that, but now you know we we've kind of navigated parenthood together and the highs and lows. So I would say that you know, has been huge. and I know not a lot of people have that, so because i didn't I didn't have a sister growing up um and you know, um it it was just a really a huge blessing and and we're still really close. you know, we just went to will's birthday party. they um, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff together. We live pretty close. So, you know, they're, they're our family as well as our friends now.
0: Were you guys in a pod together then during COVID to where and you guys could
1: still see each other? I wouldn't call it a pod. Um, but we, we, you know, there was that three months where you saw nobody <laughs> and then, um, we slowly would we'd see each other outside, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, and that was nice cause it was summer. Uh, but then we 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 kind of felt comfortable seeing each other with masks inside for a Mm -hmm. while. And it was nice to have someone who was also kind of more conservative when it came to COVID too. Um, and and just trying to be protective because everyone had different, you know, uh feelings of of being comfortable with, with, you know, Mm -hmm. what to do. And so it was just nice to have someone who was um also on that level with us.
0: Yeah, there was a pretty wide spectrum, but I feel like people that were like-minded did gravitate toward each other. If nothing, yeah. no more, no reason then you kind of had to. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're lucky that you all were already on that yeah. same wavelength because I could see where it could be really hard on some friendships. And we had a couple of people that we potted with too. Yeah. And it was, you know, you had to, I mean, you, yeah. you, you couldn't go through that alone. I mean, it was, there was too much going on. It was too crazy. And it's really hard to parent in a vacuum you know, and a lot of people had family members that they couldn't trust. So your, your friends and, you know, whatever became those people. And so it was super important. So I'm very happy that people don't have to make those choices now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because they were terrible. There were not choices. They were terrible. Um, They were
1: all terrible options. Yeah, Yeah.
0: they were. But at least, you know, um, you didn't have to go through it on your own, which is good. What do you see as the biggest trend in parenting right
1: now? I would say it's uh it's like TikTok or or real parenting where you're just getting like a snippet of advice. Um but there's lots of different advices and opinions and snippets and it's hard to um kind of, you know, weed out what you want to what you want to be and then especially on social media the more uh snippets you like, the more those you're going to get fed. So yes. Um, so I think that that is, uh, that's a huge part. And I know there's always that, you know, social media, you you present one face online, and then it's a totally different face in real life, what's going on. Um, so I think it can set some parents up for expectations that are too high. Um, but so I really value when people share their failures. <laughs> I too, yeah. I think it's a yeah. great way yeah. to
0: just, you know, let, bring back normalization of yeah. like, yeah. yeah, like none of us are perfect in the way that yeah. we do things and we don't look perfect and, you know, all the things. And, you know, it's interesting as a business owner, like the choices you have to make about what you do with social media. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like there's so much information out there that's so one size fits all and like families yeah. are not like that at all. Yeah. Babies aren't like that. Kids aren't like that. Parents aren't like that co-parenting isn't like that you know what I mean and so I just feel like I've kind of made the you know decision like not to really add too much to that and in terms of like a visual social which is why I decided to do a podcast instead because I feel like you know there's plenty of people that there's plenty of information people are scrolling through that they're getting that may work or may not work for their child. But I feel like just hearing how other people have had good times and bad times and struggles and, you know, just the importance of just having conversation, you know, as opposed to just, I'm going to talk to you comments. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to read the comments or, you know, whatever, but it's not like a dialogue. You know, know, it's it's and I feel and it's so funny because like I I'm in a book club and we read a book about these Pan Am um, stewardesses which was amazing, but yeah. the person facilitating the book club is younger and she was like, well, I mean, like, what did you do before in flight entertainment? Like, what did you yeah. do? And it was so funny because there was every most people are older than me and we were like. Well, you just talk to other people. Like you just yeah. met the person next to you, and you just talked to them, or you read
1: a book. Or if it was me, you you were like, "How heavy can I make my bag with the books?" That
0: I'm <laughs> exactly, exactly. And but it was
1: just, "Can I
0: pack into this case?" Right. But like once upon a time, we used to have to interact. We had to sit there yeah. in a waiting room and look at each other and get uncomfortable, and we had to watch each other <laughs> parenting their kid who's yeah. throwing a fit, and you know all these yeah. things. And I just feel like you know. A lot is learned by just watching other people and talking to other people. And I, I, I feel like that's going to be our regret is that like, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's harder just to have conversations about parenting, which is just like, when you're a parent, it takes up all your time. I mean, you're never off the clock, right? So we should, we should be talking more about it. What has your child taught you the most or your children taught you the most about being a parent?
1: Um, that I don't know anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, you know, reflecting on this and I feel like it's a constantly changing and humbling experience. Um, I never knew I could love another mm-hmm. creature as deeply as I do. And, and that was, you know, I was very, I feel fortunate where that, that was the case as soon as the first one came out, you know, I, I felt that, that maternal drive, um, but also, you know, there's that side of I'm touched out and I am, you know, I'm annoyed and I just need a second to myself, mm. um, I need, you know, I need space. But then as soon as I get that space, I'm thinking about them, you know,
0: right. <laughs>
1: um, and so it's, it's this, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, is just, that I I hope I I learn to be empathetic and I learn to be present, um, you know, and I learn to admit when I'm wrong with them. You know, that's the big thing. When I when I mess up, I really do apologize to them because I want them to see that, you know, and that's part of of um being real with my kids too. Um it's also but, good yeah. modeling too, right? Like I, we all make mistakes, so let's
0: just learn yeah. how to apologize.
1: Yeah. You know, and that's even, my I,
0: expectation for you also.
1: Yes. <laughs> we'll see if that comes around. Um right. but yeah, I, I think again it's they've Dave- they've taught me a lot of humility. And, and, you know, before I was a, a parent, you know, oh, I'm never going to let my kids sleep in my bed. And, oh, you got to get that baby, you know, on a sleep schedule, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, you know, the girls come in at two o'clock in the morning sometimes, and they they cozy up. And, and I'm, you know, I made that, <laughs> my husband, and I made that decision a few years ago of, we give up, um, and and they've slowly, you know, figured it out. But again, I I don't know anything, and what I thought I knew, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's so hard until you've been there to know how you're going to react, and usually the way I've reacted sometimes in the past has has not been the best. So and but you learn from it. So,
0: yes, exactly, because there's really not a manual. Like you no. don't get it. you know, I used to like have this imaginary like. Well, this was part of the rules and I signed up for this and I would make a joke with my son like, no, that was rule 866. I am not allowed to let you eat your bookers." That's what they said when I signed, when I got you, that was in my contract, you know? And so it was like this Harry Potter contract that just kept going and yeah. going and going at the time when he was in magical thinking and we could get away with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's true. There is no manual no. and there is no manual about children. Like they're all going to be so different. And so, you know, I think half the battle is just figuring your kid out
1: and trying to parent them the way that they need to be parented. Yeah. And that's it, like being flexible. Like there's, there is no one right way, um, but there are a lot of wrong ways I feel. And mm-hmm. so, um, but in meeting our kids with, with love and, and dignity and respect, even at a young age, um, it, is really important to me.
0: So, yeah, I think that's a great answer for our final question. What is your biggest parenting advice to share with new parents?
1: I always tell the new families that I work with that it's a season. Mm. Um, and it passes. um mm-hmm. so if you feel like you're, you know, in the thick of it with a newborn and it's overwhelming and tiring, but it's, it's just a season and it'll, it'll move on to a different one and it'll get, it'll get better. It'll get worse. But, um, you know, there's, there's valleys and peaks and, and mountains to climb, but, um, I really try to hone in on it. It's just a season and it, it'll change. So,
0: Yes. I think that that's actually great advice, but also a beautiful, beautiful way to think about it because, you know, especially living in the Midwest where you're always, at least I'm always kind of like looking forward to the next season, but kind Uh of dreading it at the same time too. Uh And it's true. Uh It's like parenting truly is like that, where it's like, you're in the thick of it and this is terrible and you're in the midst of winter right now, but like spring will come or you're Uh sick of summer, but like
1: fall will come. And, you know, and it's not that it won't be challenging. It'll Uh just change your challenges, change your challenges. I know my sister-in-law told me, you know, with, she has twins who are, uh, I think they're like 12 or 13 now, but you know, she always said, you know, you always have worries, but your worries change too Mm -hmm. with each season. So I always think about that. It's true. It is true. It is true. I know. I'm always, it's
0: like, I don't understand who designed this job because look, <laughs> the more I love you every day, the more you are literally walking away from me every day and the mom worry thing, you know, mom yeah. guilt, whatever that true. That is a real deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. But you know, I guess it keeps us busy, right? <laughs> sure does. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us for episode 31 of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. and thank you to our guest, Amy Stump of BDI Playhouse in Aurora. Thank you, Amy.
1: You.